Summer is starting to wind down, and that means that it is state fair time. On this week's episode of Goat Gab, Cameron and I talk about all things state fair, the good, the bad, and the challenging. We hope our thoughts might inspire you to think about your state fair in a new light. Hello, Goat Gabbers. We're so excited to welcome you to our 44th episode of Goat Gab this week. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Laura. And I'm the other host, Cameron. Um, And we are happy to be back and having a little bit more of a normal week. Wouldn't you say that, Laura, I guess? Yes, normal. I mean, it's, you know, but doesn't it kind of feel like the summer's winding down? Don't you get that feeling a little bit? Well, and it, it's it's really appropriate that our topic this week, we're talking about state fairs, but I feel like state fair season is kind of the unofficial end of summer. Yes. And, and especially when you've got kids that are going back to school, but you know, even, even now that my kids are either in college or out of school, it's still, it just has that end of, end of summer feeling, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but there's always a little sadness, I think, that goes along with that too. Yeah, but with the end of summer also comes breeding season. Which is like the second most exciting time of the year. Actually, it might even be more exciting than kidding season. What do you think? Well, for some people, they're drying up their goats, which is great. Or their goats are decreasing in milk production, so that means less time milking. Um, you know, some people do enjoy the cool weather, the fall, you know, the the, the memes of the bonfires and sweatshirts and all the hoopla about that. Some people like that. I'm, I'm not crazy about fall, to be honest with you, but I love football and football comes back with fall. So I'm excited for it. So you're not one of those people that lives for fall for the pumpkin spice lattes, right? I, I am not. I am not a big apple orchard guy either. I will go for the donuts and that's it. <laughs> well, to me, I, I absolutely adore fall because I like it being cooler and I like bonfires and um, that a little bit of a faint tang of buck in the air, not overwhelming, but all kind of remind me, oh yeah, it's that time of year again, you know, and, and I love it. Well, um, are you having that little faint smell of buck in the air at your place? No, not yet. Okay. Not yet. Though, though, um, I have a couple of baby bucks and I noticed the other day they have those cute little tiny beards that are going on yeah. and I'm like, yeah, it's going to be pretty soon that I won't want to kiss your sweet little face anymore because <laughs> you're going to be nasty. But, um, do you have, are, are your bucks starting to work? Um, not, I mean, starting to work. Yes. By jumping on each other. Yes. Um, it was funny. My dad got the buck out this morning and he texted me and he said, I got the buck out. And I said, Oh, question mark. And it was one of our barn bums that he was going to breed. And he was like, well, I got the one out. We wanted to breed or two, but he was a little too fat. and really couldn't make a solid jump. So I got a different one out. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> well, it's funny because I saw him today as I was doing chores and I was like, he is jumping on the other bucks in the pen. So was he too fat or was he just not in the mood? Huh? Interesting. Well, these early heats, I always find it's kind of interesting to see they they're not totally, they don't totally have their hearts into it yet. Yeah, I agree. And, and the girls, and I think I saw my kids like flagging and I'm like, Whoa, sunshines, slow down there. <laughs> not time yet, girls. No, definitely not time. But yeah, I think that, I mean, that was kind of the highlight of today and I, and on my farm and what's happening there was, you know, breeding season is, is coming and after breeding season comes winter, of course. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, it's, it's kind of just knocking on the door. Now, I love, I love that feeling of excitement and promise when you look at the breeding list that you've so painstakingly put together and you make your final changes if you're, if you're going to do that. And there's just so much potential and promise when you look at these breedings and, and I don't know about you, but you got to think maybe this is the year that I'll breed that next national champion or, or, or whatever, you know, a huge improvement. It's just, there's just so much promise with breeding season. I love that about the fall. Yes, it's it's very promising. I think is the word that I, I, I like to think of. It's it's, it's exciting and it, it's it's smelly, but it's exciting. 
and then it kind of wears on you and towards the end you're like can we just this should be over right totally it's it's like kidding <laughs> season you're excited for it but then by the end you're sick of it exactly yeah so then you find yourself doing things that make it easier but i know we're going to hit on that in a in a future podcast so maybe we'll stop there on, yes, on the breeding yes. season thing yeah so you you hit a milestone though this weekend didn't you i did you what? got all of your goats clipped like oh. everybody's been clipped now yes yeah, so everyone is clipped for the last time um yeah for the year we're very excited about that well, that'll conclude with our fall sh- our, our three shows that we'll go to. And we're definitely stopping right now. Um, my dad, it might get a little antsy because we have a show and we're taking some kids that only had their national show clip. And he's going to get, he's going to look at them and be like, Ugh. but if you clip them any later than right now, maybe a week or two weeks, I'm afraid they're just going to get way too cold when September rolls around. Cause those nights get kind of chilly. They do. And you know, even uh, our Missouri state fair, show is in two weeks. So um, the dairy goats always close out the state fair, which is kind of fun, but um, we've clipped kids for the state fair, like right before the state fair before, and it's still been too cold for it. I mean, it's, you know, I, I thought, Ooh, we kind of need some coats on these kids or something. Cause it's chilly. So yeah. Yeah. It's just, I, you know, I hate to push it into September. And again, that's just our geography. Other people, like if you're in Mississippi, you might want to be clipping your goats or it's way too hot to even be thinking about clipping your goats down there. Right. And you know, you, you gotta, you gotta watch that. I I know that we took a couple of kids to a show last weekend that had not been clipped since before nationals. And I kind of did that, that eyeballing thing that you're saying your dad's probably going to be doing like, Oh, <laughs> we probably should have reclipped them, but actually they did just fine and they looked fine. So, well, um, can we talk yeah. about your goat show? Um, well, you know, sure. Yeah. yeah. We had a great time. It was, you know, it was a, it was a smaller show. It wasn't a huge show. I think there were maybe 150 animals, um, in the senior show. And I don't know what there were in juniors, but, um, what I'd like to talk about the show is the way that they ran it. Cause I just thought it was so awesome. Um, it was a three ring show and they showed all rings of juniors on Saturday afternoon starting at one o'clock. So you had to have your animals in place by 1030 and checked in by 11. They did showmanship at noon and they started um, juniors at one o'clock and we were done with all three rings by, I think it was five or six that evening. Um, but it went, it went really well and moved fast. And then the next morning, uh, we started the rings then at eight o'clock in the morning and ran through all of them. And we were on the road by two 30. That's awesome. And I really appreciate shows like that because it's very, um, and, and exhibitor conscientious, yeah, conscientious, because if you don't want to show juniors, you don't have to show up on Saturday morning or, or really leave on Friday night at all or anything. You can be on the road and get there, you know, Saturday afternoon and show your seniors, um, that, that Sunday and leave. Yeah. That, I mean, it was just, that was just perfect. And the way that they did it was, um, they had, I guess for lack of a better word, um, two flights of juniors. So they, in three rings, they had, you had groups that you stayed with. So Alpines were in the second flight. So, um, all of the first flight, had the experience of having all three judges before they started that second flight. So, um, you know, you, you walked, you showed under judge one and you got done and you didn't leave that ring. Then you showed under judge two and the judge and the show secretary and that judges, um, ring steward were the ones that changed the rings. You stayed in that same ring the whole time. It was great. It was really, really well run. And, um, the Nebraska dairy good association did a, just bang up job on that. The other thing I wanted to say about that show, um, I got to peek in and watch their showmanship classes and it is such, it is just so heartwarming when you watch judges who are national show judges who've been in dairy goats for a long time, show such tender heartedness and love for lack of a, a better word 
in what they're doing when they work with young kids. So, you know, to all of this, to all of those judges out there that really take the time to be kind and encouraging and get down on the level of the kids and really talk to them, that's just a joyous thing to see. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, I agree on that. And as a judge, it, it warms my heart to hear that, um, you know, there are other members of the unofficial brotherhood, as we call it, um, that are, are doing the profession um, a good service. Or, so that's always um, good to hear. Yeah, no, that's so that really was was my weekend. It was kind of fun. It was just Madeline and I that went. Um, and then Sunday morning, uh, lo and behold, my other two daughters show up. Don't bring show whites. They just show up because they just want to come watch and cheer us on. And that was kind of fun too. So yeah. it was, it was a good weekend. Yeah. I, I saw con- you had a great show. So I will, I will publicly say that as well. Um, congratulations oh, you. on your success. Um, and I, I was very happy to see it there. Um, but one thing I will say, I did see Ma- um, Elizabeth in the show ring without whites on and Elizabeth, I know you're listening. <laughs> She's going to be embarrassed now that you called her out. Well, you know, sometimes that does happen, especially at these at club shows. You know, uh, they don't have the rules that you have to wear whites in the ring. And, and you know, when when somebody says, oh, could you show her for me? And it's a good friend and you really like them. Of course, you're going to step up and do that. But um, maybe that picture will have to come out and uh, resurrect its head again another time. So, yes, yes, it will. Um, yeah, but I think... Um, Along my lines here, just finishing up, um, I completed my national show thank you notes, which I think is a really big thing to talk about. And I really wanted to mention here. And I think if you win on any type of, on any national show, you should really be sending some type of thank you note, whether it's an email or a, or a card. And I think that's just a good practice to have. I agree. And, you know, as, as a first time class winner, so I've not really had a reason to write thank you notes before my kids have with youth stuff, but you know, not me personally. Um, it was really cool to get a note back from the person I wrote a thank you note to saying that they enjoyed watching me win that class and um, thanked me for thanking them. So it's, you know, as your grandma's probably taught you a long time ago, thank you notes never go astray. And it's always fun. It's always fun to, to feel like somebody's appreciated what you've done. So yeah. thanks to all the people that sponsor stuff at national shows, whether or not they get a thank you note, I know that you're appreciated. Yes. Yes. I agree on that as well. So that that concludes my week and uh, I will leave on Friday morning at 3am and go to another goat show. <laughs> Well, I'm glad to stay home this weekend. So I'll cheer cheer you on from afar. You're headed yeah. to Wisconsin, correct? Yes, I am to the state Wisconsin State Fair, coming back from the Indiana State Fair two weeks ago. And then uh, you will be at the Missouri State Fair the week after. And then, af- then after that, I will be at the Nebraska State Fair. So it's, again, the end of summer coincides with state fair season is what I say in the Midwest. For sure. Before we jump into that, which is our topic this week. Yes, yes. Getting ahead of myself. Um, Well, no, it would have been a good segue, but I really would like to hit just a little bit on Adga stuff. Um, Election results should hopefully be out this week, I hope. Yeah. I think we had to receive them by today. That's what I heard, according to my source. But my source was also your daughter, Elizabeth. So, <laughs> again, Elizabeth getting two shout-outs in the podcast this week. Oh, goodness. Yeah, so that, you know, that'll be good. And and I would tell you that no matter who wins in your des- district, please take the time to reach out to them, introduce yourself. If you have something that's burning on your mind and you want to see changed, let them know. You know, enthusiasm for a new position – or somebody who's gotten reelected in a year that let's just let's just put it out there would probably be tough to get reelected in. Enough we have enough angry people in Adga that sometimes uh, a clean sweep of directors seems like the solution. It's probably not, but um, you know, reach out and tell them what's important to you and what you'd like to see changed, and and um, offer to help. You know. Think about think about jumping on a committee if there's something that you really feel strong about. Sign up for a committee when that opens up in October. Yeah, I agree on that. Yeah. And again, let before the district before 
the board of directors meeting, maybe prepare some questions that you want to give to your um, director and have them share them at the board meeting so they can follow up and follow up with your concerns as well as a member. That's one thing that I didn't really understand until I watched the board meeting last year. I think that was an eye-opening experience for a lot of us that had time to sit and watch it. A lot to see. I hope, I hope even if they're able to do it in person this year, I hope that they still offer that Zoom or the live streaming option so people can really have a chance to watch those inner workings of the board meetings. Yeah, I agree. So one thing I wrote on my AdGo World of News is, is the top 10 list should be coming out soon. The top 10 milk records from the previous year. That's that's exciting. So does that mean that they've moved a little bit farther along with the uh, data sharing between um, DHIR and NG I and Adler? I don't know. I don't know. That's the thing that really confuses me. So this week I saw a post from Gene Dershowitz and I did genetics saying he updated all of the information from the CDCB, the, dairy, the Council of Dairy... Breeders, hold on, I'll, I have the acronym right here. The CDCB, the Council on Dairy Cattle Breeding um, Information into Adga Genetics, which triggers the elite status, and the elite status should be coming out on the CDCB website here today, that's what I heard, which is Monday. Um, the, However, the um, they won't have any data from goats that were registered this year in the CDCB. Oh, so even if it was a milking yearling, let's say if she's not, if you just registered her this year, that's, you're not going to see anything on her yet. Correct. You won't see anything in the CDCB database because there's no registration number to pin that towards. If I understood what I was reading between Gene and Lisa Shepard on the Facebook. I see. Okay. So little baby steps. We're moving forward a little bit. Yeah, but my question is, and maybe it's a question for directors, is will the top 10 list come out and will we get the elite list published? Maybe not in its entirety. Lisa said she didn't think the elite list would be published in its entirety, which means that it would be coded for animals that have defects, i.e. Nigerians that are over height, but um, it would be posted somewhere from my understanding, the elite list, but I don't know about the top 10s. Interesting. Yes. So I wanted well, to share. I wanted to share that with the world. Very good. Um, you also made, mentioned something about the Ayrshire Association while we're talking about our dairy friends, the cows. Yes, and it was interesting. And I just saw this today. I saw it from a friend who milks cows, and then he milked. He's milked goats in the past too, and it says that they were able to. They just came out with this broad sweeping thing that said. Um, that the U.S. Ayrshire Breeders Association, I'm going to read this word for word, is informing its breeders and members that a genetic recessive uh, has been identified in the international Ayrshire population. And this gene, this recessive gene, has been identified as something commonly termed as curly calf syndrome. So why did I put this in a Dario podcast? I think this is really cool, but also has some maybe some conspiracy theory vibes as well from it that they can identify a gene and then identify it from said animal as well. So they can determine their, where the recessive gene is, which is cool. However, there might be negative implications of that, including a negative connotation of animals when they're being sold in the marketplace. Oh, so are you thinking like, um, Oh, I'm going to butcher this. The disease that Nubians get. The GS8. Um, G6S GS, or whatever G6S, it is. Yes, yes, yes. Uh-huh. So that could be one, right? Yes. And I think and it, and it was interesting because the association came out and said this, not really like individual breeders said this. And I understand uh-huh. it's one breed association, but at some point, will we be able to determine this by goats? And then will the association flag them for people? I mean, I, I know we already flagged them in, in the Adka Genetics database um, as well for like polled and we flagged them for black, which, you know, if you're a, a tog breed, um, that's that's bad. Um, 
But, you know, uh, we already flagged certain things like that. But are we going to be able to call out individual animals? Which, yeah, it might be nice to have. But also on the flip side, it might be a, a, a negative marketing opportunity. I don't know. It's just just some things I've had in my brain. Right. Because if, if you would rather just keep that private and manage that kind of an issue in your own herd, that it, it would not be a happy thing to get called out. I mean, you know, I, I believe that people want to be honest breeders for sure. Having said that, sometimes you want to have control over your own information. So exactly. do you really want do you really want an association to to own that and be able to tell everybody that? I don't know. That's huh. It'll be interesting to see. And it's interesting because the press release that the Airshire put out literally tags the animal and then it get I think it gives the registration number as well. Oh ouch. Yeah. So the breeder has no say so on, eh, I would just like to quietly cull this animal and we're not going to mess with it. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Hmm. So Interesting. I was, I was looking into curly calf syndrome, actually doing some research and doing some homework so we could at least have like a, so I kind of knew what I was talking about. Um, and it's, and it was interesting. I was looking at the pictures, literally the calf is born dead and it's like curled up. Like it's, there's no like, spinal formation it's quite it's very interesting ew okay so from a producer's standpoint that's not something that just like affects their haircut i was thinking oh their hair's curly you don't want curly airshire so i didn't know what it was <laughs> okay so that's something that you know definitely affects the health of your herd and you definitely don't want to breed two animals that carry that genetic yeah um, anomaly. So I can understand that from a financial standpoint, but again, it'll be interesting to see what kind of an impact that has on the, on the industry. Yeah, I agree on that. And again, I think it's just something that as we trend more and we see more genetic testing um, required for ADGA, it's just something to really mull around in your brain. Again, like to think down the road and downstream implications of things, because oftentimes decisions are made without thinking about the downstream implications because we don't, well, you know, we're, we're very uh, present day focused. Right. Oh, yes, for sure. Kind of um, as a good segue into present day, today was the day that ADGA decided to close out all of the tickets. Yes. And at first I thought, oh my gosh, that's a horrible thing. And then I got to realizing like with my, with myself, I think I have four tickets that I put in and three of those have been resolved through other means. And I bet I'm not the only one. So this is probably a good move on Adga's part. I just think everybody needs to remember, okay, reopen your tickets. Now that we understand a little bit more about how NG is working and maybe you also got some of your problems resolved, reopen those tickets that still need to be reopened and give them a chance to catch up on everything. Yeah. I wonder how many tickets will be reopened. Um, do I think it'll be all 8,000? Absolutely not. Um, but my concern is if you're not on social media, if you don't check your emails often, you have a ticket open and your tickets magically closed. You'll be like, what the heck? And then you'll try to call yes. the office and you'll, and no one will answer because no one ever answers according to Facebook. So. Yeah, that's, uh, that is that's that's a good point, and we I think I think we always have to be mindful of the fact that not everybody is on social media, and not everybody listens to podcasts, and not everybody reads email very easily, and and we can't leave people behind that that don't embrace every part of technology. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I know people mm. that still do things with pen and paper. I know people that balance checkbooks still. That blows my mind. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> do you do you balance your checkbook? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I. You know what? I want to balance my checkbook. Um, I I do pay attention to see what's cleared, but do I have a pencil and paper and and do a reconciliation like I was taught? No, I just keep track of it online. But you're right. A lot of people do do still do that. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> yes. So with that being said, the state. Or the state fair. Yeah, let's let's pop into state fair. And I don't know about you, Cameron, but when I think about state fair, I always kind of get halfway nostalgic and halfway excited because state fair, as a kid growing up, 
was always such a huge, big deal to me. I mean, I you almost lived for the state fair to come. Yeah, I agree on that. And it, it was always exciting because it's really a point of pride for your state and your herd, not only to the dairy goat community, because uh, success at a state fair um, looks better on, you know, for lack of a better term, a dairy goat resume. But it's also a point of pride in, in your community, in your county, if you're a 4-H'er, um, just in your general geographic area as well in your state. Because you can say, and I'm going to pick on you, Laura, here, wow, Livingston County has some hot alpines in it. Right. And I don't know if every state fair does this, but I know that they did it when I was in Indiana, and I know that they do it here, here in Missouri. But when when you win and they ask you to come take a picture – the state fair is great about sending press releases to your local newspapers because they, they want that in there that, Hey, Livingston County resident, you know, uh, Elizabeth Warren had the best in show 4 H Alpine in 2009 or whatever. So, you know, that's And if you think about it, newspapers are something that they keep on microfiche forever. So people will be able to go and look back and see that their great grandmother, Elizabeth Warren had the best Alpine goat at the Missouri state fair in 2009 or whatever. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of cool to think about the historical perspective of it as well. And I think it's, it's not just important for goat people to recognize that, but there's people outside of the goat world that, you know, you say, well, I had grand or I had best Owen show at, the and I'm just going to pick a random goat show here. Um, the the quad state show in in uh, Sioux Center, uh, Iowa. That's cool and that's an accomplishment. But if you said I had best show show at the Iowa State Fair, your neighbors, your friends, people in your town and your community will be like, "Wow, that's quite an accomplishment." Which nothing to take away from a best in show at the quad state show in in Iowa. Shout out to our friends that put that on. But the prestige in the community outside of the goat world is a lot more than uh, than that at the of that when you win at the Iowa State Fair. Oh yes, and you can take that for example to your local feed store and say, "Hey Joe, you know, I've bought feed from you for the past 5 years. I just want to let you know your feed helped to fuel the top dairy goat herd in the state of Illinois." I mean, that's, you know, that, that can go to bank for you too. People like to hear that. People think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's there as well. I think one thing that's important to talk about at the state fair level is that it's completely different than a club show. And there are very stark differences. Don't you agree, Laura? Yes. And I think, I think, I think it's a mindful thing to think about that because uh, it, it really, it really is something that as dairy goat breeders, I think that we, we uh, have the responsibility to think about the fact that this is totally different from um, a local show. And I, I'm, I'm not going to call this person out because frankly, I don't remember who it was and I don't even remember what district list or what Facebook list, but somebody was talking about, you know, Hey guys, our state fair is coming up. We'd really like to see a lot of entries and another person. And I think they were newer to dairy goats, which is totally fine or newer to showing anyway said, um, well, I'm really worried about biosecurity and I don't want people to walk through the barn and touch my animals. So is there a possibility that I can show off my trailer? And other people are trying to explain, well, this is a state fair. So you have, you, you have a time that you have to be there and your animal has to be on exhibit for a certain amount of time. And then you get released at a certain time and no, you can't show off your trailer. And I, I think it's important to realize that the whole focus of a state fair is not to let you have a chance to show your animal to a judge in the ring and uh, win legs or win ribbons or a judge's opinion. I mean, that's part of it and that's important, but that's not what the focus of that show is. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. And I'll equate this and this might sound pretty blunt because it is what I was thinking about it in my mind. But when you go to the state fair, you are an exhibit, exhibitor, an exhibit there. You are there in order to one, bring people in and see animals because that's associated with the stereotype of a fair. There are animals there. And two, you're also there to help educate the public. You know, it's your job as, as a goat farmer in order to educate the public 
on your goats as well. So being active with that, um, it's it's really important. And I think we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. Right. Yeah, very much so. And from an agricultural advocacy perspective, the state fair and county fairs, but especially the state fair, reaches so many people that are so far detached from agriculture that it really is important for the future of our industries to, to put on that state fair so they can touch where their food comes from. That's really important. Yeah. And I'm going to tell a story here. So when I think about agricultural advocacy, my mind automatically goes to the Illinois state fair on Wednesday at the Illinois state fair. It's usually Democrat day and they bus in all these people from Chicago. And, And in the state of Illinois, if you live here, normally we do have a Democrat as, as governor. So they always come on Governor's Day, Democrat Day, and they busted all these people from Chicago. And these people have no clue where their food comes from. They have no clue. They've never seen an animal before because they live in the suburbs. They live in the main state area of Chicago, which is completely fine. But they always have the stage where the governor talks with all the Democrats and all the people that come down from Chicago right by the goat barn. So that is a perfect opportunity for them to pet the goats see the goats, ask questions, and really talk about the goats in terms of being um, an agricultural product for their commodity of milk um, and and really help them understand and paint a story of what goats look like. Right. To to dispel that old myth of three billy goats gruff or, um, you know, tin can eating, smelly, horned, hairy, poor man's cow type of of animal. It's a good time to dispel that myth. Yeah, I agree on that. So I think when thinking about what the differences are than a club show, first and foremost, the show more than likely is not going to be run by goat people and they might not know what they don't know. Right. That can get really challenging too, because you know, if if you contact your state fair and say, Hey, I just wanted to make sure that such and such breed is official. They're going to be like, Huh? They they may not know. They may not know even the smallest things that are old hat to dairy goat exhibitors that show it shows because they, they just know that they're offering a show and they know that they've gotten a judge and maybe they got the cheapest judge that they could get or the closest judge that they could get. Um, but they don't know any better. They don't know that it might make a difference to the exhibitors in the state. So I would say a really good thing to do is assume good intent. And that's kind of my own personal mantra, but assume that they're trying to do the best that they can. And if you see a place that you can help step up and help them, help them to understand that a ring steward helps the show go better. Help them to understand that, that you don't use sticks out in the ring to move um, recalcitrant animals that maybe won't lead. And, um, Help them to understand the way that dairy goats go and be kind about it and let them come away from it thinking that dairy goat exhibitors are the very best livestock exhibitors at the, at the state fair, not that they're a burr under somebody's saddle. Additionally on that, and I think about the state fair, there might be lots of new people and maybe they've never seen goats before or maybe never they've never been to a, a fair before or not a fair, excuse me. There might not have been to um, a club show before. Because they're maybe not in the dairy goat community. You know, they haven't joined a Facebook group. They're not part of a goat club or something like that. They're coming because their county said, hey, the state fair is these dates. Would you come be interested in showing your goats there? Um, So really think about that and be kind to those new exhibitors that are there and really offer to help, help a hand, build a relationship with them. Because one, they might be your future customer. Two, they might be your future goat club member. Or three, they might come to your goat show the next year. So really consider if there are new people, introduce yourself, invite them to the potluck. If you have one, potlucks are a big thing at the Illinois state fair. Um, so, you know, I think it's important if there are new people, make them feel like they're part of the community. Cameron, I can remember a few years back. Um, and many times those new people, maybe, maybe they are 4-H only families. They haven't shown anything other than their own 4-H show at the county fair. And, and their kids are like, yeah, I want to show at the state fair too. And, and they think, okay, well then we'll just stay for the open show. Uh, we had a f- family that was just like that and their county 4-H dairy goat program was not run by somebody who knows much about dairy goats. And this poor family gets to the state fair and they bring their goats in 
And not only do they have a full set of horns, but they have no Agga papers whatsoever. Hmm. And it was heartbreaking to see how upset these kids were that they couldn't show their goats at the state fair. They spent the time and money to enter them. They, um, they brought them to the state fair. They had them groomed the best that they could. They didn't know you couldn't show goats that had horns. They didn't know that you had to have papers. And so, you know, some of it you could say they need to read the rules. But again, I think that's where it comes into being kind. And so other 4-Hers were like, you know what? I've got an extra goat in this class. Would you help me show? And I'll teach you how to do it. And it turned out to be as positive as it could be for those people. But, you know, just remember, not everybody has a lot of experience. So as you said, being kind and being welcoming goes a long way. You never know where they might end up down the road. Yeah, I think on that scale, I'm thinking about that, though. So I put a state fair in between the kind of the appeal of like a club show and the national show. And it's somewhere in between there where it's higher, in my opinion, for the most part of state fairs than a national show. Um, but but lower or, or it's higher than a club show, but lower than a national show. But there may be national show quality animals there. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, depending on where you go, very definitely you might be competing again. I would say that most states probably have somebody who competed very well on a national level. So that's not saying that a state fair doesn't have good quality animals there. Yeah, I, I think that is, is one thing to consider there. And it's also one thing to consider when you're prepping your animals. You know, do you want to go to milking three times a day? We've done that before for a state fair. Do you want to do it big with the uh, clip in the udders and razor in the udders? I know you guys are going to do that because Madeline asked me the other day about something. <laughs> yeah, you've, you've kind of created a beast. She really likes likes doing that now. And honestly, <laughs> wouldn't you agree that after you go to a show and you have those animals clipped to the nines and you have those udders feeling like the, like a baby's bottom because they're so nice and smooth. It kind of uh, makes you feel a little happier milking for the next several days while they're still all fancied up like that. They get up on the stand. You're like, Ooh, you still look beautiful. You know? <laughs> or at yeah. least that's me anyway. Yeah. Yes. I agree. I definitely agree on that, but again, there might be, national show quality animals there. And you might want to prep the animals a little bit higher than you would a club show. Sure. And, and um, you know, along with that, you want to put your best foot forward. So, you know, having your animals groomed well, um, showing your goats in the best class. And, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit, Cameron, but I think it fits in really well here. This is the show that really all cards should, you should put all your cards on the table for this show. Um, those, those junior kids maybe that you've been holding back all year because they got their leg at the very first show in the spring and now you haven't shown them anymore. If that's still your best kid, bring her out and show her in her age class. Um, you're getting, you'll get premiums for it because most state fairs at least have something in premiums. But secondly, this is the time to show off your very, very best. So bring all of them out. Those that are finished yeah. champions, bring them out too and show them in their age class. Cause you know, this year, nobody's got papers that say, congratulations, you have a finished champion. Don't be ashamed to bring those does out, bring them out. This is the time to shine. Yeah. There should be no shaming here. No class shaming. The guns come out when you go to a state fair, when you go to a payback show. It does not matter because at the end of the day, you are there to put your best foot forward at the state fair to represent your herd, your county, your area of the state. It doesn't matter if they're a champion or not. Show them in that regular class. It doesn't matter if they have their dry leg. Show them in that regular class. You know, maybe they only pay two places. Well, maybe I want to show, maybe I have three really nice senior kids or three really nice two-year-olds. I want to show all three of them. Well, I'm going to show all three of them, even though I only get two monies because I know that's some of my best quality. It's a real life example. By the way, I do have three senior kids and three two-year-olds that I am showing at the Wisconsin State Fair. Because they, I know they are my best and I want to show them off. Right. And, and this is the time for, you know, this show, your state fair probably has more audience watching than any other show that you go to. So again, 
show off your animals and don't feel any shame with it. And um, shame on those that shame others <laughs> for, yeah. um, you know, uh, n- not pu- pulling your animals out of a class if they already have a leg, because th- this is the time to shine. Yeah. And if they don't like it, breed a better goat. Right. I mean, Cameron the state just fair did the is snap a- motion. <laughs> um, the state fair is such a huge marketing opportunity too. Um, you may have newspapers there that are taking pictures. State fairs put things on social media with pictures. Uh, sometimes people will put things on YouTube there's just lots of opportunity for people to see what you have and, and to really showcase the dairy goat industry in your state. So again, use that as your marketing opportunity. Yeah, it is. It is a huge marketing opportunity and it's not just a huge marketing term, uh, opportunity at like the, the national level, but also think about it at the state level and even the county level, you know, you're going and talking to some 4-Hers and maybe they want to buy a goat from you. Well, when you can say, well, I have this goat for sale out of the first place senior kid at the Missouri State Fair. They might think, wow, that's a great buy. You know, it is a it is a very good opportunity in order to have more leverage for marketing. When you can say, hey, this goat was first place at the Missouri State Fair or this goat was first place at the Utah State Fair because people affiliate a state fair in their mind with quality animals. Right. That's yeah, I think that's just really important. Um. You know, one of the things that comes along with a state fair, and we touched a little bit on this talking about newbies, but um, let's talk, Cameron, a little bit about the spectators. Yes, the spectators. That can be a little bit of a mixed bag. Yes, it can. On one hand, you want people to engage with you, to, to, to see the animals, ask questions about the animals, you know, some of the common questions you may get is um, the Lamanche question about the ears, um, because they're 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 going to ask about them. How much uh, does the goat milk? What does the goat eat? What's the goat's name? And at that point, I usually make up something that's totally unrealistic and not the goat's name. But um, <laughs> so so be prepared for those common questions to ask uh, that people ask because. Um, it's going to happen, but it's really important for you as an agriculturalist, if you view yourself as an agriculturalist, to be able to tell the story of your goats. I think also along with that, it's not just a looking thing. It's an interaction thing. So if you have an animal on the stand or you're walking an animal down the aisle to uh, milk them or to move them to another pen, it's just with the territory. People are going to reach out and want to touch your animal. And uh, if you're really, really a germaphobe and worried about that kind of thing, I think it's fine for you to have a big old bottle of hand sanitizer and say, you know what? She loves it when people pet her, but would you mind washing your hands first before you do that? I don't think there's any, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that. Um, I think it would be unrealistic to tell people don't touch my goats. Don't, you know, don't, um, I, I don't want you to touch my animals. If, if that really bothers you, maybe a state fair isn't the place for you to be at because it's just part of it. I think, what do you think Cameron? Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. And I get it. You know, you, you take care of your animals 365 days a year, you know, they're your pride and joy and you want to make sure that they're healthy. But at the same time as well, again, it goes back to you are an exhibit here, an interactive exhibit at some points as well. So, you know, it comes with the territory um, of, of being at a state fair. And again, I think it's, it's almost just part of our jobs and it doesn't say it in the rules, but it's part of our jobs in order to, um, for lack of a better terms, entertain the public. You know, there are some things that you can do though, that, um, are just a smart thought. So here's one, don't leave feed bags open or someplace where people can get to them because, I have had people who, who have gone into my tack area, grabbed a handful of feed and thought they're doing a great thing by feeding my goat and everybody else's goat. And, you know, that's, that's not cool. They don't realize that they're not trying to be harmful. And of course the goats will accommodate their wish to feed them by eating anything that they get handed. So, um, you know, try to keep your foodstuffs put away. If you can put your water buckets where they're not easily acceptable by the public. Um, you know, 
try to have somebody staying at your pens during the hours that people people are there. I'm not saying you can't ever leave the barn, but there are high traffic times where people are going through the barn and you might make plans to make sure that somebody's staying there to make sure that your animals are st- are safe. Yeah. Um, remember to be, be um, public friendly, but also when the situation, when a situation arises, it's not an if it's a win because people are just not smart around animals. Sometimes it's just kindly say, Hey, Please don't do that. The goats would not like that. I find that happening when they want to reach into the hay feeder and feed them hay. And that happens all the time, it seems like. So I just say, hey, please don't do that. The goat that's there for the goats, not for you to feed them. So just be kind and patient with the public. Yeah, don't assume that they're trying to be mean or or they just they just want an experience with that animal. Um my youngest daughter, Caroline, seems to be a huge magnet when she's milking. I think everybody is entranced by the idea of milking a goat. And uh, she's very patient and very kind with people when they come, come up and ask her questions. And f- I have seen her with certain animals under certain circumstances, even offer, hey, you want to try You want to try to squeeze? And she'll explain, explain how to hand milk a goat. I don't think anybody has to do that. And certainly you want to be biosecure and be safe with that and everything. But again, remember, this is something really unique. Most people don't get a chance to see a goat being milked. And, and so they're going to ask questions. And some of them are dumb questions to us, but it, it's a good thing that they want to learn and they want, they want to understand it. And I would say, especially with goat milk soap being so popular now and goat cheese being a popular part of every, um, you know, a gourmet menu. Now people are more apt to look at dairy goats. Yeah, I totally agree on that. And again, it's, it's, it's our, it's our point. It's our, prerogative to represent our industry in a positive light and be able to talk to them about our, our project. So very important there uh, about that. So I think, um, and Laura, you make an excellent point here and you put this on our, on our document is it's about putting forward a professional view of the dairy goat industry. And it's not just in how our animals look because we need our animals to look clean. We want our animals to look productive and we want to show them, Hey, the, our animals can be elegant and dairy and beautiful um, and just, and just look beautiful in the pen. But we also want our display to be um, very nice looking. So Laura, what do you do with your display at the state fair? Well, it's kind of, it's over the years, it has um, evolved. So we have, we have little banners that we put over each of our pins now. Um, Mm -hmm. And when you show at a state fair for multiple years, it will kind of evolve. You'll kind of know what works well with your setup and so forth. But uh, we have a herd sign that says who we are and where we're from. And we always put up a little display table that has um, our business cards, has some pictures of our winning animals. Um, has pedigree information. If we have animals for sale, we'll put a little note there that says, you know, Hey, this is what we have for sale. Please see us if you're interested. Um, we have a little, since maple wind is our herd, I have a little maple shaped, a uh, little maple leaf shaped bowl. And we always keep it piled full of mints that we uh, end up going through pretty quickly. Um, just <laughs> things to make people feel welcome, you know, at, at a, li- a, a little eye catching thing. And, and, uh, helps people to understand where you're from and and who you are. Uh, That's, that's like the physical part of our display. My daughters wanted me to definitely talk about another part of it. And I don't know, Cameron, do you guys sleep in the barn when you're at the state fair? I love this on our outline. I'm not going to lie. Okay. Camping (laughs) slash hobo look. Cause I mean, I, I do look like a hobo sometimes at a state fair uh, because I do sleep in the barn and you know, some state fairs, oh, Wisconsin, um, Wisconsin, um, like, or not Wisconsin, Indiana, excuse me. I didn't even cough right. Uh, Indiana don't turn the lights off. So I get about three hours of sleep every night and I do look like a homeless person, but um, (laughs) (laughs) it's, it's still important that during main hours that those items be put away. Yes. So that's what my daughters wanted me to talk about. It is very easy. And I'm going to say that all of my family has been um, 
guilty of this at club shows more often than state fair, but it's pretty easy to have an empty pen and that you put your cot in and your sleeping bag in and between classes, you can go grab a nap and I get it. I mean, it's nice to sleep, especially if you've been up all night and getting animals ready or not sleeping well because the lights aren't off. A nap is a great thing, but the state fair probably is not the place to do that. People don't come to the state fair to see uh, your hotel room in a goat stall um, to see clothes all over the pen and um, dairy goat moms. You guys know what I'm talking about. You feel like half of your time is spent picking up half drunk pop cans or water bottles. And the other half is putting your kids clothes back in their duffel bags. Yeah. So um, <laughs> that's just, I'm over here dying. Cause I'm thinking I need a goat mom when I go to the state fairs. <laughs> our stuff looks like that sometimes. And I just reflect back to the Indiana state fair where we had this pen and it was just all full of crap. Right. And that's, that's so easy to have happen, but I would challenge everybody to think about unique ways that they can put that up and not make it a mess. You know, if you, if you have enough room and you really don't want to put your cot away, make your bed, <laughs> you know, smooth out your sleeping bag on top of it, hide your stuff underneath it or fold your cots up and put it nicely in a corner somewhere. Just make it look nice. Make it don't don't look like a hobo. That's that's kind of my thing there. If you're gonna eat, if you're gonna eat and, and you're gonna cook at the state fair, and frankly, that's one of my favorite things about state fairs is is our, just like you said, the potlucks. You know, um, this person brings chili on this night, and this person brings um, uh, pulled pork, and you can put it in a crock pot, and it can simmer all day. That's great. And then clean it up because nobody wants to walk through a barn and see food that sat out for three hours. That's covered with flies. Cause you know, it's a barn. So uh, just be mindful of the, of that professional part of your image as well. well a beautiful display uh, is ruined if you also look yeah. like a hobo. So, yeah, I think, and I want to kind of dive, I want to divulge into this section here a little bit. Cause we have some more time. Um, Food wise, and again, I, I think it's important that yeah, you can get the fair treats, the funnel cake, you then you can go to like the um the livestock associations get food, but that gets expensive at a fair. Um oh, yeah. what do you what do you do at your state fair or even you know a county fair or anything else in order to eat decent food on a budget? Um I love taking a crock pot. You can make a lot of things ahead of time. And uh, for you Pinterest fans, there are some boards on Pinterest that have livestock show food ideas. Um, you can make pulled pork and put it in one of those um, crock pot liner bags and then just reheat it up in your crock pot. And that way between classes, people can come and grab a sandwich or um, chili, of course, is good spaghetti made up ahead of time. I've made um, masticholi in a, in a crock pot before, you know, that's got like ricotta and cheese and sauce and that's really yummy. Um, walking tacos are great. Just do a bunch of taco meat and heat it up in your crock pot and uh, have the fixings and people can grab a bat little bag of Doritos, crunch it up and make a walking taco. There's all kinds of things that you can eat well at the state fair without spending a lot of money. And then usually for us, we have one night that we're there that we always go out as a big group and eat at a mes Mexican restaurant and have a good time together. But um, yes, it does get very expensive. Yeah, what do you guys think do? Family? Um, so we started, we actually joined with two other families. It was four families the first year, which I guess we counted Catherine and I as separate families. Um, there was four, four groups doing it then. Um, and there was three this year where we took turns making meals. So what we did is we brought our electric skillet. We brought a lot of things actually, our electric skillet, a crock pot with crock pot liners. Pro tip, always bring a crock pot liner because it makes cleanup so easy. Um, and then we brought our waffle maker and we actually made waffles in the barn one morning. Really? That is such a cool idea. Yeah, it was fun. It was super fun. We made waffles and it was fun and we had syrup there and, and my dad made a, made a chaffle, which is a, 
egg cheese waffle. Actually, it worked out pretty well. Um, and it, and, and it was really nice. So like maybe going together with a couple different families and making just some food in general, that works out really well and keeps the cost down. Something that I love at the Missouri State Fair, a big shout out to my friend, Joe Brown from up in, um, way northern Missouri. I can't think of the name of this town right now. But he always has a tradition of making breakfast at the Missouri State Fair. And anybody who wants breakfast, he always makes pancakes and sausage. And um, it's amazing. And people will bring food to contribute, but he always brings enough to feed everybody. And <laughs> it's just, it that's a fun thing too. So those kind of traditions, jump in on them if you can or start one yourselves. It's It's always good. Yeah, I think that's really important. And again, for new people, it builds that camaraderie. You know, um, again, it's, it's very important to be inviting the new people because you want them to go to your club shows. You want them to come back to the Missouri State Fair. You want them to say, hey, let's make this a new family tradition and come down every year. It was really awesome to see, you know, we talked about a newbie, a newbie at the Indiana State Fair to be with us. And it was so cool because it was a 4-H'er and they decided to show on the open show and they were part of our food group. It was so fun to see them just kind of react to the whole thing and do some of the things that the kids do at the Indiana State Fair. It was just really fun to be penned next to them. And it was kind of fun to see someone that, for lack of a better terms, hasn't been jaded by all the other stuff in the goat industry that goes on. Right. And, and feed that, you know, that's probably not the time to bring up issues with Adgar or Ng or no, whatever. No, you no. Know, feed that enthusiasm. Um, you know, jumping back to the hobo look, I do want to bring something else out. Yes. One of the things that I absolutely love about the national show is that they have a fairly strict dress code. And when you look at pictures from the national show, it, to me, it is just beautiful seeing everybody in clean, sparkling show whites. I would encourage everybody to do the same thing at their state fair. I wholeheartedly Spend the extra agree. time to wear white. Don't, don't treat it like a national show. As far as your appearance goes, that is one thing that sets dairy goat people off from other species is the fact that we go out there in, in white and it looks really, it looks really good. So um, keep that as part of your hobo thing. And, and also one other thing my daughters wanted me to remind everybody of um, make sure that you sweep and sweep and sweep. Like in our family, we try to take turns. So it's not just one person who's, who's on sweeping duty all day because it seems like stuff gets tracked out of pins and into the aisleway and goats poop. And, and then there's little berries in the aisleway and little toddlers. Oh, mommy, what's this? And it, no, no, just <laughs> get your broom and clean, keep it clean. <laughs> I- yeah, the the wear whites thing is so important. Again, we want this professional image of the dairy goat industry and wearing whites. And I get it. I know wearing white pants is not the most fashionable thing. And if it's after Labor Day, you're not supposed to wear them. But <laughs> it, it truly is a good look for the industry when you're wearing white pants at the state fair. I don't like wearing them either, but I will wear them for the state fair because that is what um, the industry needs to show off. So that's that's very important. I thank Laura for bringing that up. And the sweeping thing. The sweeping thing is terrible. And I loathe the, the sweeping thing. But I, I spend all of my time at state fairs filling water buckets, filling hay feeders, and sweeping. Yeah, that's just what you do. It, it's okay. I mean... You know, it, it, it's just part of it. It's just no going into it. Yeah, you need to do it. So so I will say if you need to spend a little bit of an extra money on a good push broom, do it. It's worth it. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think continuing on that there, I think there are some fun classes that you can have at the Missouri or excuse me, at the at the um, at state fairs that, you know, can be fun, can be points of pride. I know, for example, Laura, at your state fair, you do a pretty unique, like a herd class. Oh, I love that. Yes. Okay. I, I forgot that on here. So Missouri, and I, I'm sure the other states have to do this. I would assume so. We do what's called the state herd and you have to be a Missouri resident. So it, I guess it's a little bit exclusive if you're from out of state and come to Missouri, but um, it's called the state herd. And it's something that is on my bucket list to win. I've never won it and sure hope I can some year. All the breeds compete in it. It's the very last 
class of the entire show. And um, you pick five animals of one breed. You have to bred all of them. Two juniors and three seniors, and they have to all be in different classes. So like for me and my girls, it took us a while before we had animals that um, we could even compete in that class for because, you know, you've, you've got to have animals that are old enough to be able to compete. So um, anyway, you line up in the ring with your group of five animals and the judge picks the top herd and you have bragging rights for being the state herd for that year. It's a lot of fun. That's a neat class. Yeah, I agree on that. I think it's really, it's a, it's a unique class. And when I judged the Missouri state fair, it was definitely a highlight because you can really see consistency um, across all herds. And I know in other States there are state, there are dairy herds that do compete. I think about the Washington state fair and they do, the big dairy herd class and they do have an overall champion dairy herd. I wish we did more of that in the Midwest, to be honest with you. Um, because I think again, you know, you're only as good as your weakest link and, and as a herd. And I think it's important to have a consistency across the herd. So um, I think that's really cool. Additionally, in Illinois, we have a costume class costume contest where people dress up with the goat and the exhibitor dress up in a costume and that's always fun and, and, and whimsical and the young kids enjoy it and it's advertised to the public. I mean, it's a really fun class. Okay. So I'm going to take a different tack on that. Okay. Okay. Because Missouri has had a costume class in the past and we also had an obstacle course. Have you okay. ever seen an obstacle course? Yeah. They do it at the Indiana state fair. Yeah. So in Missouri, the obstacle course, I believe, started out as a demonstration for pack goats, which is cool. I mean, you know, showing you how you can use goats as pack animals. But what it what it um, changed into was a fun hilarity. Let's drag our goats through water obstacles and make them go over tunnels and and teeter totters and things like that. And I don't like them. I'm just gonna, I'm just going to throw that out there. I don't like costume classes and I don't like those because I feel like that that really is detrimental to the professionalism and um the seriousness of the dairy goat industry and I feel like that those are fine to do at a club show if you want to do it. I mean, kids love doing that. It's a lot of fun. But I just think you know, are you ever going to see somebody taking a Holstein cow and, and running them through an obstacle course? No, you're not going to, because that's not what cows do. And I just, I don't like that kind of a thing, but I'm, I'm willing to concede that there are other opinions about it. And some people think that's a wonderful thing to do. And Laura, I will, I will, I agree with you on some aspects of it. I think it's fun for kids. I think it's weird when adults do it and I'll leave it at that. Um, but um, I do know some adults that do it um, and that's, that's perfectly okay. And to each their own, but yes, I think it's a fun opportunity for the kids, but um, again, a costume contest or an obstacle course. And I think the obstacle course I'm thinking about, which is in Iowa is normally at night after kind of most of the, the fair growers has kind of went, went away there. Um, but also they do a celebrity milking competition. Now that I think can be really cool. In some some state fairs get a huge turnout and they'll have like their governor or the state fair commissioner or the state fair queen or other public figures come and be part of this and I think that's awesome. Great photo op, again a great way to show off beautiful dairy goats and um you know I I think that's pretty cool. Do you, have yeah. you done that at your state fair, Cameron, or have you been part of that at a state no, fair? No, we never really have. Um, again, I just, I, yeah, I've, I've seen it done at the Iowa State Fair. Um, it was fun. The professional photographer was actually, um, which is Steve, which was Steve Pope at the time, um, was oh, wow. uh, in the milking competition as well because Steve knew all the goat people because he photographed their goats at the goat at the national shows. Oh, that's cool. That's that's really neat. Yeah, that's so. Fine. So, yeah, I think on that note, uh, closing with the State Fair, Laura, any thoughts on, on just the State Fair and any final thoughts there? Well, one, just one other little bit. Um, because the State Fair is at the end of the year for a lot of people, 
you do need to be pretty mindful about preparing your animals for the state fair. And I'm thinking especially about animals that may be freshened in January or February and have been shown quite heavily. You may need to give a little extra time to uttering those animals up. And that's, that's quite all right. You know, animals are at different stages of lactation and it may be a time that you've got to put a couple more hours of milk or so in them to get them looking at their best. So just be mindful of that, that you might have to do that. Yeah. I think and my final thoughts here on the state fair are um, make it a good experience. Goat shows are stressful, but I think the state fair or state fairs in general are a little bit more fun. You know, there's a little bit different atmosphere than a club show. And I think it's a good opportunity to not only engage the public, but really have almost sometimes one last hurrah with your friends for the year. I would agree with that. And I, I would like to, share as we close just a little story um my grandfather used to show milking shorthorns when he was when he was a young boy his dad had a, a milking shorthorn dairy and um they had gotten out of cattle long before my mom was born so i never i never got to see the milking shorthorns and um towards the end of my grandfather's life he had me come up to his house and he brought out this big box that i had never seen before and he sat on the floor with me and we went through this box and it was full of rosettes and pictures of him showing cattle with his dad at the Indiana state fair when he was a boy. And, you know, here he was up in his upper eighties and the pride that he had when he talked about his state fair wins and his, um, the memories that he shared of showing at the, at the state fair with his dad and, and the things that he did, you could just tell that that is something that has stuck with him all of his life. And so I would just say to all of you, if you're contemplating whether or not showing at a state fair, think about the memories that this can make, you know, if you have kids, most certainly they're going to remember it forever, but you know, the state fair is a time for making memories and it's not just about the goat part of it. It's about the whole experience. So don't be afraid to jump in and do that. Laura couldn't have uh, ended it better myself as always folks. Thank you for uh, spending about an hour of your day with us. It's always a pleasure. and We appreciate you listening. As Cameron said, thank you for being part of our podcast and uh, we'll look forward to joining you again on the next week on goat gab. Yes, as always, if you like this, tell a friend. If uh, you can tell a friend at the State Fair. If not, maybe don't tell a friend, but give us some feedback. Find us on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, anywhere where you get your podcast. And if you feel so inclined, leave us a review and have a great week. Yep. Talk to you all later. Bye bye. <laughs>